Hello, everyone. How are you doing? And welcome to another episode show where we have the discussions that inform, entertain, and empower educators to be the change. I'm your host, Dr. Will, and we are today talking about women and STEM. Now, this show, some girls at our school, first IDA hackathon at USM, and Dr. Swickler. Uh, the organizer saying, hey, you know, we're having this wise conference and you should bring your girls. And I was like, well, hey, well, how many can we bring? We had two teams to participate and she told me to contact. And it was interesting because when I, you know, I called the I called the department. She's a graduate student. She's in class right now. Uh, I was like, well, <laughs> talking about the conference, uh, and then, you know, I started to, uh, conference was about, and I said, oh, okay, well, let me get Cassandra on and really her experiences, uh, as a woman and hopefully, uh, educate people, share some light on some, on some things and maybe, and possibly encourage high school or a freshman in college right now to actually uh, as a choice. So for those who are watching the show, uh, Cassandra, will you please introduce yourself? Yes. Hello. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And this is a great opportunity. So my name is Cassandra Reese. I'm originally from San Diego, California and received my bachelor's in chemistry from University of San Diego. And I'm currently a fourth year graduate student in the Palmer Science and Engineering Department at the University of Southern Mississippi. Wow, you left California to come to Mississippi. It's gonna be a great program. <laughs> I did, it's a really great program. One of us hop in the nation, so. Awesome, that's all right, all right, people. Uh, so what drew you to STEM? Well, I've always been interested in science since I was a little girl. I've always wanted, I guess, I've always felt a need to help other people. So originally I wanted to go to medical school and be a doctor, which, you know, many people have that um, dream when they're young, I feel like. Um, but one of the quotes that my father always used to tell me, like when I was growing up, um, which I really like, and the quote is, the larger the island of knowledge, the longer the shoreline of wonder. So he always used to tell me this quote, and I never like fully understood it until I entered uh, my undergraduate university. And this is kind of where this metaphoric island, um, where I began to really crave knowledge. And I remember entering undergrad and starting like a general chemistry course. And I remember just looking at the periodic table of elements and just being fascinated that everything on earth is made from, you know, all these, literally a single table of elements. And this is kind of where my love for chemistry grew, just kind of learning about, you know, how chemistry works and how it makes up life and everything that we have today, so. Awesome, awesome. So of all of the STEM majors that you could have chosen, you decided polymer science. <laughs> you had to read up right up on, on polymer science right. because i didn't know what it was you know i've been on campus and i've seen the building 
is polymer science. So what is it? Yeah, so that's funny because I remember I never really knew, understood polymer science. I didn't take any polymer science courses in undergrad. Um, I wasn't too familiar with it, but everybody knows what polymers are. They maybe don't know, you know, the name of polymer science, but polymers are everywhere. Um, you see polymers in different, like, so polymers are plastics, paints, um, different composites. Um, so basically studying polymer science, if you can imagine just one molecule. Um, polymers are a bunch of these molecules linked together. And the structure of these molecules can determine the application that you use it for. So different applications um, for polymer science, you can find them in different like electronics. So it may be like a flexible electronic application. You find them in, you know, the coatings on your car. Um, you find them in your clothes, so polyester. Uh, there's so many polymers are literally in every single application that you could think of. So, yeah. Wow, wow. Uh, so as a graduate student, what are some of the projects you've been able to participate in? And what is your specific area of interest? Yeah, so as a graduate student, so every graduate program is kind of different. So the way our program works is you, you know, pick an advisor and the advisor will sometimes help you figure out a project that you can work on. But during graduate school, you work on, you know, a multitude of different projects, which ultimately will lead you to your thesis, your dissertation. So the projects that I work on, um, so if you can imagine a surface, maybe like a table, um, and I look at different like instabilities in that surface. So basically just thinking in nature. So you know like the wrinkles on our skin, those are instabilities just on our skin. Um, you can think of, you know, like on pumpkins or in like a dried fruit, like a plum, you see those different instabilities in that. Um, so basically this is kind of the motivation of where my research comes in. I look at instabilities in different polymer films and ultimately, these can lead to applications. And say you have a surface um, that you want to adjust maybe the uh, adhesive ability of it. Um, you can use these for different flexible electronic applications if you have a surface with different instabilities on it as well. Uh, other applications are different. Maybe like you have a surface, uh, and it can be used for maybe an anti-wetting or an anti-fouling surface, so a surface that kind of um, limits different chemicals to adhere to it. So that's kind of where I focus on. So a lot of polymer chemistry, you see um, polymers can be used in solution, or you can see polymers that are also grown from the surface, used for a lot of uh, material science applications. So I've been in your situation, uh, <laughs> you know, as a uh, doctoral student and program and you know sometimes I, I don't know if this happened to you but when I first got in the program they were like hey you know don't worry about now and don't worry about you know your career right now let's just focus here you got time to get there and I was like hey man I gotta get a job one day um <laughs> your career options are you and you are you finding it easy to find mentors, pivotal role in your success thus far? Yeah, so when I first, I mean, you find mentors everywhere you go on like 
in different aspects of your life. Um, so when I was a kid, my, one of my big mentors was my dad. He always pushed me to crave, you know, knowledge. And he's like, you're smart. Like, I, I believe in you, and I know you're going to do good things. Um, when I started undergraduate school, I kind of, I knew I wanted to do something with, like, chemistry or something with sciences. And my undergraduate advisor, um, Dr. Peter Iavini from University of San Diego, I didn't really know what I wanted to do um, after undergrad. And he was like, well, I think you should go to grad school. You know, you do well in lab, go for it. So he kind of pushed me to do that. So he was a big mentor in pushing me to go to graduate school. And since starting in graduate school, um, I found multiple mentors, male or female. So my current advisor, he always pushes me um, to do work. And he allows me to have opportunities to go to, you know, different conferences and meetings and meet, like, people all over in the polymer science community. As for women, so there's only one female, female faculty in our department. So sometimes it can be difficult for women to find mentors in a male-dominated field. Um, but Dr. Sarah Morgan and Dr. Julie Swickla, who I recently met a few months ago, they've been they're very involved in STEM and very involved in diversity, so I, I look up to them a lot because they've done, you know, very successful things for, you know, bringing women to the department or just encouraging women to, to kind of, you know, see what science is and show younger women that, you know, there is a lot of women in science and you can do it, and they really helped me kind of grow in that way. And then you also find mentors. I've also found mentors in other graduate students. So older graduate students, um, there's one in my lab, Dahlia Mato, and she's amazing. She works so hard. She's from Indonesia, and she came from Indonesia to work in the U.S., and now is getting a Ph.D. And so, yeah, I find mentors everywhere I go. You might not know it at that moment, but you, you find them everywhere, even if they're not specifically labeled as your mentor, so. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. So I want to throw this out there to you. Yes. What is like for actually choosing and applying for a graduate program? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? <laughs> Hello. Are you still there, Cassandra? Yeah, sorry. I think I missed that last question. Okay. Um, what was your process for uh, choosing and selecting a graduate program? Okay. So when I started undergrad, I, I received my bachelor's in just chemistry. Um, so I did a little bit of polymer work in my undergrad. I didn't do much research. Our university wasn't very involved. And research like USM is. So I kind of, I knew that I needed to kind of get away from California. I'd been there my whole life. I needed to experience something new. So I applied to maybe seven or eight graduate schools. And normally when you apply to graduate school in a STEM field and you get accepted, they'll fly you out to go visit, you know, the campus and where it is. So I remember when I got accepted, I I never thought I would, you know, move out from California all, all the way to somewhere completely different, right? And 
Uh, I was a little nervous because I was outside my comfort zone, right? But I came to Hattiesburg and, you know, what I like about Southern Miss is the graduate students are very involved in recruitment. So I came here and graduate students like picked me up, they took me to dinner, and you really have um, that one-on-one -on -one kind of interaction. Sometimes, right, you meet professors and you get kind of intimidated, um, but having someone close to your age really helped me kind of feel the program out. And the reason that I like USM so much is the polymer um, department, it's really like a, a big family. Everybody is so close and everybody knows everyone and everyone helps everyone and that's what I really liked about Southern Miss and is why I officially accepted my offer when I came here. So what have you been learning uh, from either from your experiences, your conversations with other professional women or see happening in the marketplace, that is a good sign that things are moving in the right direction for women in STEM. Yeah, so I guess one example, um, specifically talking about you know Southern Mississippi. Um, when I first started my first year at Southern, um, I there was a woman in science and engineering program, but it wasn't um, advertised very well. So when I started, there were maybe like eight to 10 people involved in this organization. And then the past two or three years since um, my friends and I have been like very involved, we've really reached out to, you know, cause yeah, there's Palmer Science, but there's other people in STEM. And I think that's what drives women away is they get scared that, you know, yes, there's Palmer Science, but there's chemistry, there's biology, there's math. There's so many different, you know, sciences that can be involved in their organization and speaking to younger freshmen once they started and really you know encouraging them like our organization is all about like empowering and encouraging women in undergraduate careers and trying to retain those women in STEM fields and you know we worked really hard and since then we pro we have about 120 people in our organization now so just showing that we can go from 10 people to over a hundred people really shows that, you know, women need this encouragement and women need to feel like they can, you know, network with other women and feel comfortable with women. And just that small example shows that, yes, things even at Southern are moving in the right direction. Um, as for statistics, I mean, I don't know them off the top of my head, but every year more women will be in the sciences. And I think, the problem is is trying to retain those women. And I think having an organization such as WISE really helps that retainment. Um, just because, you know, there's been multiple times where I've, you know, felt alone and feel like I, I can't talk to anyone and I'm struggling so hard. And my program is male dominated. You know, there's not many females, but having that organization helps me because um, I can talk to other women and be like, yes, like I can do this, and everyone else is feeling that exact same way. So I think just that small example shows that, yes, we are moving in the right direction for women in STEM. I like that, because I was going to, you know, retention <laughs> retention, ask you about retention, because, you know, a lot of times, university statistics and 
Mm -hmm. uh, put these things on websites like, oh, we've recruited our largest uh, class of women or, or, or people of color. But it's not, it's never in all of a sudden we've gone from five to did they graduate? You know, just getting them on your campus doesn't mean anything, you know, because they need to graduate for careers themselves. That would make, to me, that makes a long-term difference in what you're trying to accomplish in your university when you can actually get them in and graduate them. You mentioned WISE, and I know you have that conference. We're going to get to that. Mm -hmm. But I read on the website that WISE is actually an organization on campus. How, do you, how often, I guess, do you meet? What are some of the activities that uh, you do it in that organization, and what would you say is the purpose for the existence of, of WISE? Yeah, so so the mission of WISE is to empower and encourage women, right? So it's important, and we do this every year, so freshmen have this Golden Eagle Welcome Week. Um, so they get to, like, meet all the organizations and see what they want to be involved in. So we always play a big role in going to that because females will, you know, they select a major that they potentially, and people change majors all the time. I changed my major when I was an undergrad um, from biology to chemistry. Uh, but just getting those women as freshmen, even younger, so that's why our organization always goes to middle schools and high schools as well. Um, but I think that's how our numbers are growing, is trying to get them when they're freshmen and have them a part of our organization and show them what we do. So our organization, so we do a lot of different things. Uh, so we always have different professional and personal development workshops. So a recent one that we had last semester was an imposter syndrome workshop, which I can speak about that later. But basically, we all feel like imposters. We all feel like we're fake. You know, sometimes we feel like we can't do uh, do anything compared to our male counterparts. But I can speak about that later. So we have workshops like that. We also have women speakers come in. So the different departments have seminars. So we always get a hold of those women giving a seminar and we either have a breakfast or lunch with them. So those are very kind of intimate instances where we can meet these women and they share their path of how they got to where they are and they share their struggles and some of them, you know, will have kids in graduate school or, you know, get married or have to deal with, you know, other males bringing them down or other women bringing them down. And that's really nice, because, especially for the graduate students who are moving forward, but also undergraduates as well need to see that. So we meet with them. We also have different outreach opportunities. So we'll go to you know local middle schools or high schools and do maybe some science demos for them and get you know from a young age get them excited about science because um, a lot of times you'll you'll go to a high school and you'll see people uh, you'll see students kind of get intimidated or they don't want to do science but you know science is cool and showing them that like we can do cool things and have a fun time I think really uh, helps the young students kind of see that, yes, there's all these other women in science and they're getting bachelors and masters and PhDs. So I think reaching out to them really helps. 
as well. Um, so those are kind of the main things we do. We also have, you know, different bonding activities, fundraisers. So our organization kind of does a lot. But trying to expose the members to different women, um, different workshops to, you know, encourage them and allow them to feel confident is what's important to us. Awesome, awesome. And it'd be cool if some of your members came to our high school to speak to some classes. That'd be awesome. Yeah, we would love to. I would love to set that up. Fantastic, fantastic. So I love what you were talking about in, in terms of uh, getting together, providing support. So how important are conferences, conference, to female students for networking and professional development? I mean, they're crucial. I mean, there's not many instances where we have conferences like this. So this is, I believe, the first woman in science and engineering conference on the USM campus. And what our committee has been trying to stress is it's not about science. The conference has nothing to do with science. It's more about woman empowerment. So all the sessions that we're going to be having are going to be related to you know develop, developing yourself better as a professional as well as developing your personal growth as well. Um, so we're super excited to have this and our, you know, our committee has worked really hard to have this conference. So we actually got funds from the university to make this conference free and we're able to pay for 65 people for a free etiquette luncheon as well. So I think it's important to bring everyone together. So, I mean, there's not, there's really not many instances where we bring even the departments together, right? So bringing polymer science, chemistry, bio, computer, mathematics, physics, there's no event that brings those departments together. So bringing women together is crucial because women need a sense of belonging. They need to feel, um, they need to feel that other women are with them. And it's important to speak to other people. And, you know, everybody is struggling. Everybody is struggling. I struggle all the time. But being able to talk to, talk to people and network with people is crucial in order for you to further succeed. So this conference is great because, yes, it'll bring undergraduates together, graduate students together, faculty, high school students, and just to talk to people and, you know, see who they are, meet who they are, what they do, and, you know, networking is crucial to succeed for women. And we believe this conference, yes, will serve as a catalyst to help inspire women, to retain women in their majors, and to have fun and meet other people that maybe further on, they'll be a mentor or they'll be a mentor to you or you can be a mentee to them. And this building relationships, I think, is very important for women in STEM to further succeed and not feel afraid. Awesome, awesome. I'm excited about going. I'm not a woman, but, but I'm excited. <laughs> we do have other males coming as well, so you won't <laughs> be the only one. <laughs> to learning uh, myself, uh, and I, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, our principal you know, allowed, you know, gave permission for students to attend uh, because what's important 
for anyone, and this and this the this is way anyone, whether you are them, but this is for if you are female, a person of color, or never be be what you can't see. Exactly. And then you know, in certain demographics, and when you look at sort of the, you know, we're a Title One school district. You know, a lot of our students don't see people who look like them. Mm -hmm. So they don't see people who look like them who have certain careers. And so, for me, one of my mission, even though I'm an instructional technologist, and part of what I would do with teachers is to use tools like Google Hangouts, mm -hmm. person to expose them to different people, places, and things, but to give them that exposure so that they can actually see it because if they can see it then whatever dream that they had now can you know it can start to be fed and they can say well you know doctor so-and-so is working here she looks like me she came from you know mississippi or louisiana or whatever mm -hmm. if she can do it i can do it and now from there it's just them sort of getting help along the path to get there so that is what I'm so excited about the conference and the opportunity to bring, you know, our students. So here is the big question that I had to answer for myself. I don't know if you have thought a lot about about a lot about this, but what do you plan on doing with your <laughs> degree? And what options are available to someone with your level of education? in polymer science yeah i always get this question when i go home and like meet my family or friends they're like well what do you like what is polymer science and like what can you even do with it you know people don't know and i mean i still don't know exactly what i'm going to do um so there's two i guess main traditional routes to do so generally when you you get your graduate degree you can go on and be a postdoc so postdoctoral position, you work in another lab maybe for one to two years, and then you go apply to be a professor. So you can go teach. Um, and then the other traditional route is to go into industry, which is kind of where I'm leaning towards. I still have two years to figure that out. Uh, but there's so many different industrial jobs and government jobs as well. So those are the two main routes. But you can also do start up your own companies uh, be an entrepreneur, you can work in science policy. So there's a multitude of, you know, job opportunities for people in polymer science and engineering. So as I had mentioned, polymers are everywhere, right? So the demand for a polymer scientist is extremely high, especially for women in science, right? They want more women to lead. Um, you know, most of the companies that you see are male CEOs, and even that, white male CEOs. So they want to see women from, you know, minorities and, you know, they want to see those women grow into positions um, and those, you know, higher uh, job opportunities. So I guess examples of people from our program. So uh, a recent friend of mine, he works at the Air Force Research Lab. So you can work at the Air Force Lab. There's a lot of different big chemical companies. Um, Boeing is a huge company where uh, one specific research group, they, you know, work on airplanes. So people can go work on airplanes and different composites. Um, 
a lot of people kind of, so you can merge different sciences together, right? So you can merge biology and polymer science. So a lot of people can go into the biomedical field and work on maybe drug delivery. Um, you can also work on different technology, right? So you can go to Apple, you can go to Google, um, you can go work on, you know, robots. So there's so many different opportunities that you can utilize this degree for, and there's so many job op opportunities, especially in industry. So I'm leaning more towards industry, not exactly sure where yet, but I still have a little bit of time to figure that out. Wow, that sounds like money, Cassandra. <laughs> I'm hoping. <laughs> uh, that's all right. That's all right. So before we go, advice for that high school student loves her science classes or technology classes at the people that the media there. Uh, and then you read all these things about the that you know they talk about the the pipeline. Oh, face lie. Oh, you you know you talk about the you know oh we don't have people here because there's a there's a lack of a pipeline or mm -hmm. you know, all of the images they see of people in STEM. They don't look like them, right? I mean, you know they exist. Mm -hmm. You know, like. What hits the magazines and the websites and all of the fancy glitz and glam, a lot of girls don't see that reflected back in them. So even though they may like it, they like those courses, but they just don't see well. There's a space. So what do you say to them to encourage them, their passions, and to their belief? and this is possible for them. Yeah, that's hard. Um, for me, and I've learned this a lot throughout, you know, being a woman and, you know, my bachelor's and now in my PhD, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid and don't be intimidated. Um, so I'm a, a Hispanic woman in STEM and you don't see many of Hispanic women. You don't see enough of, you know, African-Americans. You see you see a lot of, um, you know, Caucasian males, and that's what you see online, and maybe that's what you think about when you think about a scientist, and that's that's not true. There's minorities and minority women in STEM all, all over the place, and that's why I encourage undergraduates, you know, to come be a part of our organization, and we bring in women who are from different countries and who come to the US and are so successful. And even in our graduate program, we have um, you know women in different ethnicities. And I think it's important for women to see that. And I think, and I was speaking about the imposter syndrome and we had a really great workshop about that. And we have had a lot of discussion about imposters just like in wives. And everybody feels this, it's not just women, it's males as well. And you feel like a fraud, right? You feel like a fake and you feel like you don't, you don't know what you're doing. And I feel like that constantly. I always, you know, I doubt myself a lot. And I think some advice that someone gave me recently is you need to accept that you're not going to know everything. You need to accept that you're going to fail. 
And you need to accept that everybody around you feels the exact same way. Um, you know, you may, be, you may be around people who are overly confident and think they're the smartest people they are, but don't think about them, you know. Believe in yourself, and if you have this passion, you can do it. And I really think that, you know, being so young, sometimes people think, yes, they are not good enough, but I think what's important is to know that everyone feels that you're going to fail, and what's important is when you do fail, how are you going to put yourself back together? How can you put those pieces back together to come out stronger and be more confident? And I encourage high school students to come. I mean, I think our organization as well needs to go to high schools and reach out to them. But come to the university. Come see our labs. Come talk to undergraduates. Come talk to graduate students. We have so much advice to give you because we've been in those shoes. And you're not alone. And you know, don't be scared to go for your dream and go achieve everything that you can achieve. Awesome, awesome. <clears throat> Thank you again, guest on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm actually super excited to speak about women in STEM, and I'm super excited about the conference next week. So it should be a good time, and I think it'll be a great opportunity to meet a lot of people and, you know, form collaborations, and it's just a day to, you know, connect with women and males and really feel, I, the goal is to everyone to leave that conference to feel more empowered and more encouraged about, you know, getting those science degrees and not being afraid to, not being afraid that they can't do it. So I, I really can't wait for it. It should be a great time. Okay, okay. So since you mentioned it, <clears throat> conference, what time is the conference? And where will the conference take place? Yeah, so the conference will be on Thursday, September 21st. And registration starts at 8.45 a.m. So we will start opening remarks at 9.45 a.m. And it'll end at 4 p.m. So it'll be all day. We'll have some breakfast and coffee. We'll go through the sessions. We'll have our etiquette luncheon, which should be delicious. <laughs> Then we'll have some more sessions, kind of an afternoon break, so you can kind of, you know, mingle and chat with other people. And then we'll have our panel. And our keynote speaker, she's coming from Chicago, Jessica Williams, and she's big into technology. So she's going to kind of give her advice, and I'm really excited to have her. Um, and then it'll be, so it'll be at USM in the Thad Cochran Center. So... It'll be in, uh, there's two main rooms, uh, second floor, Thad Cochran Center. And there's still time to register, so our registration site is still up as well. And currently we're at about 80 people, so I hope a few more can uh, register next week as well. Awesome. awesome. <clears throat> Thanks again, Cassandra. Now, people, you know how we do this around here. This is going up on SoundCloud, iTunes, my blog is going to be on YouTube, like, I'm putting this thing out on Twitter, on LinkedIn. Uh, Cassandra, feel free to share with your channels as well. This was a great conversation. I enjoyed myself. And I hope that you did, you will also as well as you listen and become inspired. 
to pursue your interests in STEM, invest in you, edu, peace.